0: So sad is me
1: Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you are here on this blessed day of Jesus' birth, that we celebrate him. Um, Right now, we're going to light the Advent candle, and then we'll have a few moments of friendship as the children come up later.
2: Actually, I'm going to do the Advent reading, but I don't see a lighter, so I'm going to do the reading for you instead. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25, it says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. And then skipping down to verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this child that came that we celebrate today. We thank you for Jesus Christ and the the life that was lived, and even more than that, the sacrifice that was given through him. But I pray today that as we celebrate Jesus' birthday, as we celebrate Christ today, I pray that you would help us to recognize that this is more than just a birth, but it was the introduction to a method of salvation, the method of salvation. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Son. May you be honored as we worship you today. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: So take a few moments of, uh, a few minutes, sorry, to greet one another, say Merry Christmas to one another as some of the children come up. you for this wonderful day that we celebrate um, your son's birth and all that he brings to us, uh, the love that you show us through him, the joy that we can have in him, the hope that we have for the future in him, the peace that he gives us, because we know that we can be saved through him and be saved to do your will and to to live for your kingdom and for your glory, Lord, because everything is for you, because you first loved us, Lord. And we thank you for that, and we praise you and give you honor and glory that you deserve, Lord. In your name, Amen. What not
0: we hold this
3: blanket like that and tell that story so she made him a miniature version of it and I want to share the story with you. It goes something like this the Mayans believed that the earth and the world was well organized into levels kingdoms they call it down here we have the earth the dirt, and the water kingdom. And then the next level up is the plant kingdom. And then the next level up from that, you see the animal kingdom. And from there, you have the human kingdom. Everything well organized, each within its level. But the next level up is the heavenly kingdom. Now, obviously, you look at that and you see there is a barrier between each of those kingdoms. And the only way that something or someone from the lower kingdom can move to the higher kingdom is if a higher kingdom reaches down and brings it up. It has to be the will of the higher kingdom to reach down. I'll take, for example, the earth and the water. They're down here thinking, wow, wouldn't it be nice to experience color like those flowers? Wouldn't it be nice to experience life running in you as the water goes up into the plant and opens up to the warmth of the sunshine? Wouldn't it be wonderful, but all it can do is lay there And wait until the plant kingdom says, okay, here, let me make a provision for you. And it drops a seed into the soil. Now some of the soil that it gets down into, that seed is dropped into sand. It's dry, it won't hold moisture. And when the sun comes out, it burns the seed away, no good. Some of the seed is dropped in rocks. The rocks do not yield. Nah, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. You know, hard headed. But then there's some of that soil that's warmed by the sun. And it yields itself to the will of the seed. And it cares and it nurtures that seed, keeping it moist. And sure enough, the seed blossoms. And it sends its roots down deep into the heart of the soil. And as that soil yields, it is then drawn up into the plant kingdom. Oh, and then the plant kingdom is sitting there thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could frolic around and play in the sunshine and jump and have fun? But all it can do is sit there planted. Until, of course, the animal kingdom comes by and says, "Uh, come on up. But in order for that transfer to happen, it has to allow itself to be crushed. It has to die to self. And it becomes the will of the animal kingdom. Neat. But now it's moved up. And then here's the animal kingdom. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could reach that level where we have a sense of moral decision where we have a power, a control over all these lower kingdoms where we could dump. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a part of that human kingdom to be able to rationalize? But then he realizes that the only way he's going to be able to move up is if he first has to give his life. He has to die to self and yield to the will of the higher kingdom. But it's the higher kingdom that reaches down and said, come on up. Now here we are at the human level. And I wonder here, how many of you would like to go to heaven? How many? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean we're going to go right now. That's not my... No, but when your journey is over on this earth, you would like for your reward to be heaven. Raise your hands. All right, you're looking forward to that? Hey, we're all on the right track because you know that's God made, that desire to move up. But guess what? we're not going there except but first he makes a provision. And he has made one and only one provision. But it's good for all mankind before Christ was born and even after Christ is born. But it's through him, Jesus Christ. And it happens something like this. It's in Luke chapter 2. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. My dear friends, the provision has been made. What are you going to do with? the provision that Jesus sent or that God sent through Jesus we have to embrace it we have to nurture it we have to yield to it and die to it for Jesus needs to live in our heart if we want the promise of heaven
2: We have come today to celebrate a great occasion in the life of the church for it was through your Son that all life was offered to us. But I come before you today and I simply thank you for your grace. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Thank you for the individuals, the characters that participated in the Christmas story and the role that each one would play. Thank you for the hope that exists today because of the role that each one played. But we come before you today, and we are grateful to know that you are still here with us. Just as you came 2,000 years ago, you also are here to provide for us and to care for us today. Thank you for meeting those who have had needs in in this uh, past week. Lord, I pray that you would continue to touch and to encourage I pray that you be with those who are in the hospital. I think today of uh, uh, Lawrence Harvey and just ask that your Holy Spirit would comfort him. Lord, we know that you are the great physician. I pray that your strength would be upon him, your healing. Lord, I pray for your grace. Lord, I pray that you would continue to uh, be with those who are dealing with cancer today. I think of Willet Vest and just ask that you would continue to bless him, continue to strengthen him. We know that Uh, There are some days that he's really worn out right now, and I just pray that you would give him an extra strength, something that uh, would simply remind him of your presence and your power that is there available to him. Lord, I pray that you would comfort and strengthen uh, Mary Nell as well as she takes care of him. Uh, Lord, we know that you're the one who's in control and you're going to take care of all our needs, so we just place... Each one of our physical needs in your hand today, I ask that your will would be done. I pray that you would continue to be with those who perhaps are struggling with with other areas, whether it be a relationship that perhaps is not what it needs to be, uh, marriages that are really struggling and on the verge of falling apart. I pray that you would bring healing and restoration. I pray that you be with those who financially are struggling right now, Lord. We know that uh, you are the one who provides everything for us in the first place, so we just ask that you would help us to depend on you and you alone, Lord. We thank you most of all for not the physical healing, the emotional healing, the financial provisions, but we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are still changing people's hearts. You are changing our eternal destination. You are giving us the opportunity to move from hell to heaven, to have the hope and the promise of eternal life granted to us. I pray today that if there be one here today that does not know you, that today might be the day of salvation. I pray that if there be one today that knows you, but it's just been a long time since they've actually had a legitimate conversation with you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that you would restore unto them the joy of your salvation, renew unto them a steadfast spirit. Lord, I pray that you would once again renew the fire that burned within them and give them a hunger and a thirst for you and you alone. Lord, I pray today that you would be honored as we continue to worship. I pray that as we celebrate this beautiful lord's day that it would simply be an opportunity to honor you right now we honor you through our giving lord i pray that as the ushers come as we receive the morning tithes and offerings that you would help us to give with joyful hearts knowing that we are investing in your kingdom may you be honored now as we give back to you in christ's name we pray amen at this time the ushers will come and receive our morning tithes and offerings A blessing to be able to worship and celebrate this Christmas season. I will tell you, uh, this is a unique service for us in the idea that, uh, first of all, we have uh, tried to involve both of our uh, typical services. We have the, uh, typically, we do a traditional service at 10 a.m. and then a more contemporary alternative service at 1130. And uh, actually, even on the worship team, you had members from both of the worship teams. And I'm very grateful for the role that each one plays with that. Um, As a part of today, of course, we're here to celebrate Christmas. But I got to start by i uh, telling you something that happened, and, and I'm going to draw your attention back to something that happened this past Easter. Some of you guys will remember me sharing this with you. Some of you will not, and that's okay. Uh, this past Easter, uh, we have a sunrise service at Easter, and we were riding down the road. It's Easter Sunday morning. I mean, it's, it's pitch black. Yeah, well, not really. It was dark. Um, and we're riding down the road, and wouldn't you know it, a bunny rabbit runs out in front of me. And I run him over. I got the kids in the truck, and the first thing that I hear is, Dad, you just ran over the Easter bunny. <laughs> I felt horrible. Well, last night, we decided to go out and do some Christmas caroling. And as we go out Christmas caroling, we have sang, sung at a couple of homes, and we're on our way home, and you will never believe what runs out in front of me. And it wasn't an Easter bunny. It was a deer, a reindeer. <laughs> I'm telling you, I missed that thing by probably that much, and my very first thought was they would never let me drive around here on the holidays again. (laughs) You know, the reality is we celebrate Easter and Christmas in different ways. Our culture has begun to identify those holidays based on some things that I'm not even sure they really have a whole lot to do with what those holidays are really about. Easter, for example, is a holiday where truly we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified three days earlier. He laid down his life so that we could actually have our sins forgiven, but he didn't let the story end there, but rather he was resurrected. And the Easter celebration is very much about what he did through the resurrection. In the same way, as we celebrate Christmas I hate to break it to you, it's not really about reindeer. It's not really about a sleigh. It is about the birth of a Savior in Jesus Christ. And today we have come to celebrate this Jesus and who he is and what his life has meant to us. Uh, One of the questions that uh, often arises with every family, I know that we have had to address this question with our family, is at what point do you begin to get out all the Christmas stuff? And at what point do you begin to put away the Christmas stuff? Uh, For me, uh, decorating for Christmas was never allowed to happen until December 1st. Now, there's a very good reason for that. My birthday is November 30th, and nobody's supposed to take away from my birthday. So you couldn't decorate until December 1st. Uh, In many families, it's at Thanksgiving, and that's the point that you would begin. I actually know some families, they will decorate for Christmas, and usually it's even the week of Christmas. You know what? There's no right or wrong way to do that. When do you put things away? For some of you, it's going to be today. Uh, You're going to begin to put away your ornaments, and for you, Christmas is over right now. Um, some of us will wait until next week or maybe even keep it up for a little bit longer. I think two years ago, I left my Christmas lights out until March. Uh, and that was more just because I was not in a hurry to go out and climb the roof and all that stuff. Anyways, when I talk about putting Christmas away, I don't just mean the ornaments, though. I don't just mean the lights, At what point do we put Christmas away as in what Christmas is truly about? For some of us, the Christmas season is a time where we begin to focus on who Christ is and his coming. We get excited about the generosity that he has shown to us. We begin to even offer that generosity to other people. And it's a great season of the year. Some people will come to church just because it's the Christmas season. Maybe to hear the traditional Christmas carols. Maybe because that's where your family is. For whatever reason, Christmas is a time where we do tend to look a little more toward Christ. But at what point do we begin to put Christ away? Where we begin to put him away back into the boxes that we will then pull out again come next Christmas. Many are touched by the Christmas season, but I would suggest to you today that not all will be changed by it. The passage that I read earlier as I lit the Advent candles, I cannot believe that the Christ candle has gone out. That is a horrible image. (laughs) Sorry, I apologize for that. The passage that I read earlier from Luke chapter two, beginning in verse 25 and then reading actually through verse 38, talked about two individuals who they're kind of footnotes in the Christmas story, but they're incredibly important. The first one is a man who had worked in the temple. He was a priest. He was someone who God had actually given him a promise. His name was Simeon. God had promised him that you will not die until you see the salvation, the reconciliation, the promise for Israel. A second was a young lady. I refer to her as young, but we're told she was actually 84 years old. And she fasted and she prayed in the temple regularly. And the moment she saw this new baby, the Christ child, she found fulfillment. But the truth is, not everybody was fulfilled the way those two people are. In fact, it's interesting, when I look at those two people, you have two people who, it would almost seem as though their whole life was looking toward this Messiah. This was their fulfillment, it was what they wanted in life, was to see this Jesus. But what about the other characters that were involved in the Christmas story? For example, think of the innkeeper. The innkeeper was the one who basically found a place for them to stay, but he didn't have any room in his inn. We're told earlier in Luke chapter 2 that as the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered, that she gives birth to her firstborn son and she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she lays him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's an interesting idea. It doesn't necessarily say there was no room in the inn. There was no room for them in the inn. If that had been Herod's servant, do you think the innkeeper could have made room in his inn? If that had been someone of great authority who was traveling and needed a place to stay, do you think he could have found room for them in the inn? Absolutely. What he didn't realize was He had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who was about to be born in his stable simply because he didn't realize who it was that was staying there. The innkeeper was one who would come in contact with this Jesus, and this contact would be very unique. Imagine you see this pregnant woman and her fiancé. He assumes it's her husband. See them going into the stable area. Later in the night, you begin to hear cries of a small baby. Probably his wife sent him out to make sure they had everything that they needed, but they still stayed in the manger scene, in the stable. The point is, the innkeeper... By the way, we don't talk about any other innkeepers. (laughs) This innkeeper becomes the most notorious innkeeper of all times. Because he had an interaction with an infant, Jesus, yet nowhere are we told that there is ever a transformation in his heart. You see, he had an interaction with the the Christ, yet that does not mean he was transformed by it. Simeon, on the other hand, was transformed by it. I think of the Easter story, I think of guards, the soldiers who stood and they began to cast lots over the clothing that Jesus had. They took the crown of thorns and they pressed it upon his head. And what they didn't recognize is here they were in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yet, they are not truly affected by his presence. They interacted with him. But that was all. I would venture to say that much like the innkeeper in the Christmas story, much like the soldiers in the Easter story, there are many today who have interacted with Jesus, yet they have not truly been changed by him. I told you earlier that Simeon and Anna were both two individuals who they were hungering for the Messiah. They hungered for the the reconciliation of Israel. It was as if that was the only thing that they lived for. I will tell you what's really sad is that all of us live for something. But I'm not sure really if any of us truly find our soul satisfaction only in him. It's not an indictment against anybody, but it's simply a realization that there are so many other things that we live for today. For some of us, it's for financial gain. And when we reach a certain point, then we will be satisfied. Then we will have achieved our goals. We'll be where we need to be. And then we will have basically reached the pinnacle of existence for us. For some of us, it's not about financial gain, but perhaps it has to do with, um, per- perhaps it has to do with fame or popularity. You want so much to fit in with everybody else around you, and you would do anything to be able to make people like you. Teenagers struggle with this all the time, but I would actually venture to say some of us adults do as well. We want so much to fit in that we'll do whatever it takes to fit in. And if we could ever reach that point where everybody liked us, which, by the way, it will probably never happen, if we ever reach that point where everybody liked us, then our life will be fulfilled. For some of us, it's love that we're looking for. And and maybe the danger in this is many of us have experienced a type of love, but it's never really satisfied us. So we end up looking for another type of love. Maybe a love that's unhealthy. Maybe from someone outside of our own marriage even. What happens is we begin to seek satisfaction in things that really don't matter. For Simeon and for Anna, they found their satisfaction in Jesus Christ. That was the thing that they lived for. They wanted so much to be able to see the Christ. And here they were able to see the Christ finally. Our world is so similar to the world which Jesus entered into. You look at the innkeeper. He probably could have worked out having Mary and Joseph stay inside. But for him, it was just business. He was doing his job. He had to take care of other people. Uh, They were people who, they had no power. Mary and Joseph, they had no value. The innkeeper had a job to do. He had to take care of things. Did he really have time to deal with them? you know what many of us do? We justify why it's okay that we kind of brush everything else aside, much like the innkeeper would have done. The point is this, we're no different from them. We have jobs to do. We have people to take care of. We have money to make. We have all kinds of things that need to be done. And Jesus is relegated to a manger scene, even in our lives at times. We're fine if he comes to our house, but let's not give him a place of prominence. Don't let him get in the way of what we need to do with our lives. We want Jesus. We just don't want too much of him. What if the Christ of Christmas went with you all year long? Not just something that you kind of put on the mantle that you talk about. Uh, Many of us, we have a a large Bible like the one that sits down here. Many of us have a large Bible that sits on our uh, coffee table at home. And people come over and they see it and it's almost like a trophy for us where people look at us and they kind of judge your spirituality based on how big your Bible is. Maybe not literally, but the point is that for us, it becomes almost like a trophy. What if Jesus took a more prominent position rather than just our trophy? What if he became the driving force of everything that we do? See, what we fail to understand sometimes is this is the most important decision that any of us could ever make. Anna and Simeon were two individuals who understood that this was all that life was about. This was all that mattered to them. They had jobs to do. They had to go to the temple. They had to do all of these rituals that were associated with their position. They had certain responsibilities that were very, very important, but that's not why they were there. They were there because they wanted to see the Lord. What if we began to live life with that mentality? I was uh, actually... I was reading an article yesterday, and it was identifying a car that had been found. It was Aston Martin. I think I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's a very rare vehicle. Uh, Actually, there were only about 1,100 of these vehicles that were ever manufactured. Uh, This vehicle was recently found uh, in a yard. It was surrounded by trees. Trees had grown up all around it. Uh, It was uh, basically run down, rusted, it looked like nothing but a piece of junk. Then they went on to talk about what they plan to do with this vehicle. They're going to put it up for auction. Uh, it is estimated that they will get between four hundred and twenty dollars to $460,000 for literally just the frame of this car. Why? Why? It's because there were only 1,100 that were ever made in the first place. It's, a, it's, a, it's really the issue of, it's the law of supply and demand. Uh, if if there is a demand for it, but there are very few options to actually meet that need to, to be able to, so that everybody can have one, then you can charge a lot of money for it. As I was reading the article, the thought cross my mind about the law of supply and demand regarding our faith. You say, what does this have to do with faith? I want you to consider for a moment. Dale did a great job earlier identifying the fact that there is only one way for us to get to heaven. And it's only if God reaches down into our lives and he is the one who pulls us up to his position. What a great truth When we talk about the law of supply and demand, of what value is something if there is only one? Probably of great value. This year, many of you have spent a whole lot of time at the stores. I know I went to Walmart Friday or Saturday, and I believe I saw almost every one of you there. Often what happens is we pay money for things and we think to ourselves, I can't believe I'm paying this much money for this thing. And it's because, well, it's because they know people will pay for it. So they'll charge a certain amount. And what happens is they begin to run short on certain items. In fact, on Black Friday, I was reading an article on certain items that people were hoarding. They were buying up large quantities of it just so they could then turn around and sell them for a larger price because other people would want it and they wouldn't be able to get the quantity that they needed. Often we see this with sporting events. Uh, In I guess it's about a week. The Clemson Tigers will play in a bowl game. And as they prepare to play in their bowl game, people have bought tickets. Some of those tickets have cost a couple hundred bucks, but they're now selling for closer to, actually, I saw one this week for $2,000. Why? It's the law of supply and demand. There aren't many, but there are a lot of people who want it. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, He is our supply. But far too many of us will try to find other ways to supply the need for salvation. We know the need is there. Many of us will find our goodness and we'll think that maybe if I can be good enough, I can get to that next level. If I work really, really hard, I can get up here. I can get to where I really want to be. But the truth is you can never be good enough. There are many other faiths to try to point us different ways that hopefully one day will be able to get us to a place called nirvana or to a place of complete peace to be able to be in the presence of God. But there is only one. There is only one way for any of us to ever experience eternal life, and it is through Jesus Christ. The same law has been in place since The moment of creation. The wages of sin is death. But there is a promise, and it comes from the book of Romans, and it tells us, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, Jesus Christ paid the debt that we owe. The wages of sin is death. What we deserve is death because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus Christ said, I will pay your price. I will pay your wage. I will pay your debt. Today, as we celebrate this Christmas, realize this is not just about a baby. This is about a Savior who came to pay your price. But realize also that you have a choice. You're either going to be the innkeeper or you're going to be Simeon or you're going to be Anna. You're going to be one who basically you touch Jesus, but he doesn't transform you. Many of you have come to church today, and the truth is, this is just a ritual. It's just an obligation. Maybe mom or dad or grandma or grandpa convinced you to come to church today. And I regret to say this, but for some of you, this will be your touch of Jesus, but not not the transforming work of Jesus in your life. I will tell you that Anna and Simeon went away from this occasion, satisfied that their life was complete because they had seen the Christ. Will you be more like the innkeeper or will you be like Simeon and Anna? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, I don't want to be like the innkeeper. I don't want to be one who knows of you. I don't want to be one who has experienced you just a little bit. But I truly want to find all of my satisfaction, my hope, my peace in you. But at times I know that I have lived for selfish gain. At times I have lived just to be able to provide for family. I have lived just to be able to make a name for myself. I have lived to be liked by other people. Lord, I come before you today and I ask that you would be the only fulfillment that I would ever need. Lord, I pray that you would allow my life to be changed because of my interaction with you. But I pray for each individual who is here today, who perhaps many have come just for a touch, just to experience your touch today. But I pray that today we would experience more than just a touch. Help us to be transformed by you. Help us to be like Simeon. Who said basically now I am ready to die for I have seen the salvation of Israel but I pray today that you would have your way in us may you be honored now as we close in worship in Christ's name we pray amen we're going to sing one last song together as the worship team leads us please stand with us great to have you guys. And this is a very unique service for us just because we don't typically do this with everybody combined together. Uh, That being said, uh, we do worship every Sunday. And we would love to have, especially if you guys do not have a church home, we'd love to have you guys come back. Uh, next Sunday, we'll do have our regular schedule, which includes a 10 a.m. traditional service in here, and then 1130 alternative service over in the Family Life Center. And we would love to have you guys as a part of that. Uh, it has been a great joy to celebrate Christmas with you, and I hope that you truly will keep Christ in your Christmas season, but don't let the Christmas season end today. In fact, if you would, just carry it out until next Christmas, and then we can do this again. So thank you guys so much for being with us. Go with the peace of God today. By the way, if you got one of these uh, poinsettias, please take it home with you today.